God is pretty clear. We're called to suffer as believers in Christ. Not something we enjoy hearing, but the Apostle Paul here in Romans 8 lays out for us the value of suffering. It is indeed the proof of sonship, along with many other values. Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth as we learn about the joy of suffering. From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Our teacher, Pastor Steve Converse, takes us back to Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Suffering, the path to glory. That is the title of our series that focuses on these two verses here in chapter 8. We've seen the problem of suffering, but now we want to look at the value of suffering as a proof of sonship. With more on this. Here's Pastor Steve. Okay, you can turn over in your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 8. We're talking about the path to glory, which is suffering, and we talked about suffering last week, and I want to cover the second half of that message, uh, the aspect of our glory that will come one day, uh, today. So if you missed last week, You have to listen to that message first, and then you can listen to this one, and it makes sense. (laughs) Because there's no glory without suffering. Amen? That's what the Bible says. We said last week that the path to glory is paved with suffering. And there's a couple things you need to remember about suffering. First of all, it's necessary. And secondly, it's not the end for the, the Christian. There's a glory that comes through suffering. And we need to be reminded of that over and over again. And so what is Paul saying here in these couple verses? He's saying to persevere in any present sufferings with hope, you have to keep your eyes on the future glory that God has promised. To persevere in present sufferings in this world with hope, you have to keep your eyes on future glory that God has promised you. So today, I want to speak to you of about the incomparable gain of glory. The incomparable gain of glory. And it's just that. It's incomparable. You can't compare it to anything. Paul introduced the theme of of glorification by linking it with the prior passage dealing with adoption. And that's why there in verse 17 he says, and if children, that's kind of a poor rendering, it should, and since children, then heirs. Um, That word if can be translated since as well. And there's no expression of doubt here in Paul's words in the original language. It's a first class condition in the original Greek text. Which means it's something that affirms the reality of a statement. He's not saying if you're a child. No, he's saying since you're a child, you're an heir. There's no doubt. Since we are children of God, we are also heirs. Of God. Galatians 3.26 specifies exactly who the children of God are. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. See, don't buy the lie today that's out there in liberal churches. Oh, we're all, we're all children of God. No, we're not. Jesus made it very clear that, you know what? Some are children of God and some are children of the devil, right? I mean, he made it very clear. 
And by the way, he was speaking to religious leaders of his day when he he made those comments, which I'm sure ticked them off. There's nothing that will tick a self-righteous person off more than questioning their righteousness. So if you put your faith in Christ, you are a son of God, but you're also an heir. And it's impossible to be impossible to be a son of God and not be an heir. It's just impossible. It doesn't work that way. You will receive what God has promised to you as heirs of God and joint heirs, the Bible says, with Christ. Well, let's look at the first thing here, the heirs of glory. The heirs of glory. Uh, James 2.5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him? See, this is something that God has personally promised to us. This isn't something we just make up. You know, it's not like you're telling some big story about some rich uncle that's going to leave you multiple billions of dollars and the uncle doesn't exist. Colossians 1.20 says that the Father has made Christians fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. That inheritance that we will receive is for sure. It's not in any question. When you were saved, you were made an heir of God. God is faithful. The Bible says he never disinherits anyone. You know, we've probably all heard stories or maybe even experienced where you were in someone's will and maybe something happened and they're, I'm going to take you out of the will. God never does that. Philippians 1.6 says that Paul says that he's confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Will perform it. He will do it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a sure thing. There's no question there. See, there's an assurance that if you have been saved, you will be glorified. You will receive glory. You will receive your inheritance from God. You could say, well, can a Christian lose his inheritance? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And anyone who would tell you different is not reading the pages of Scripture. Well, what if you reject God? You can reject God all day long. If you're legitimately saved, God's not going to reject you. See, we were saved because God chose us, not because we chose him. The Bible is very clear about that. And so if that's the truth, if you doubt me, read the book of Ephesians or Peter or any of those books that tell you very clearly that is the truth. How can we undo something we didn't have anything to do with? Especially when you're talking about undoing something that God has done. I mean, do you ever go outside and look around and see what God has done? Look at the creation? Look at all the beauty that he has created for us to enjoy? With the mere words of his mouth, he said, let there be this, and there was. I mean, that's power. I mean, you go down and you go over to the coast on a, on a, on a blustery day, and you see those waves coming in. That's power. That's nothing compared to the power of God. Or you feel an earthquake tremble and boy, you know, wow, that was, that's nothing in comparison to the power of God. And you're going to say that somehow you can overturn the power of God by your will. Galatians 4, 7, Paul says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Please know that the idea that you are, have that air of glory coming is, is, is secure. It's secure in Christ. 
It's not, secure, it's not security based upon how you perform as a Christian. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that that's the case. I'm glad that God didn't one day back in history save Steve Converse and say, okay, now all you got to do is live the right way until I come back. If you do that, then we're good to go. But if you mess up, you're in trouble. There'd be no hope. I thank God I can go to bed at night, rest my head on my pillow, knowing that if this heart should stop beating, I'll be in the presence of God. It doesn't matter what kind of day I had. It doesn't even matter what kind of week I had. It doesn't matter how obedient I was to God that week or not. It's not based on my performance. It's based on God's promise. Now, that doesn't give us the right to go out and live however we want. You know, we don't just sit back in the armchairs of grace and say, Oh, God chose us. We can't ever lose it, so let's just go live it up in the world. No. You're just exposing yourself as an unbeliever if that's your desire. Because the Bible says very clearly, either you love God or you love the world. You can't love both. So you're an heir of glory. Secondly, you look at the source of this glory. In verse 17, it says that we're also heirs of God. God is the source of this glory that we will inherit. And we receive it directly from him through Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 24 says this, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. God gives us his inheritance. And he gives it at his own sovereign discretion. Matthew 25 verse 34 It says, one day the king will say this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Did you know that God is preparing this kingdom as an inheritance even before the creation of this world? He was preparing it. And because he never changes, we can be sure that he will keep his word. Now, some of us may be heirs to people who don't have much to give. (laughs) But you know what? As heirs of God, we will possess more than we can ever even imagine. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but what? But thee. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you, God. Jeremiah in Lamentations 3, 24 wrote this. The Lord is my portion. See, that's really the mature perspective on our inheritance. In the midst of all that God possesses, everything that God possesses will be ours one day. But the most treasured possession of all those things, hear me, is God himself. God himself. Revelation 21. Turn over there with me. Revelation 21. Chapter 21. This speaks of the new heaven and the new earth. This just kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit (laughs) to give you a glimpse of what's coming. John writes, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Tell that to your tree-hugging friends. Well, this earth isn't even going to be around. It's going to be gone. And yet we're so worried about sustaining it. 
Verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came out, then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall and 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Notice it says 12 apostles. So when you run into somebody who calls himself an apostle today, you might want to question him on that. Verse 15, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and its height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth christophaz, the eleventh jacinth. The twelfth Amith. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. Wow. That's a big, big oyster, man. 
and the city of the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no tum- temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They shall bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing, look at that, nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Just to give you a little precursor to what we have to look forward to. And all that comes from God. The best part of our inheritance is God himself. Well, to what extent does this glory go to? He says there in verse 17 of Romans 8 that we are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. See, it's very important to understand that we receive an inheritance as extensive as the one that Christ will inherit. That's amazing. Everything will be brought into subjection to Christ. That's what the Bible says. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, what? With all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And then down in verse 10, he says, We'll gather all together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. See, ultimately, everything belongs to Christ. And that is the extent of our inheritance. It's equal. Since Christ is heir of all things, we are both joint heirs with him, and we are also heir of all things. And that's strictly an act of grace, because Christ has the right to his inheritance. But you know what? We don't. (laughs) We don't have a right to it in and of ourselves. We receive it only through him, through our salvation in Christ And that's why in verse 17 of Romans 8, it says that we will be glorified together with Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says this, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became what? He became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus prayed in John 17, 5, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That same glory one day we will know. We will receive that same glory. Please understand, we won't be equal with Christ in terms of deity. We won't be God. But we will be equal to him in every other sense. And we will inherit all that he possesses. That one day in glory, you're not going to find, one commentator wrote, you're not going to find no trespassing or forbidden signs. Everything's fair game because it's all going to be ours. Jesus prayed in John 17, 22, that the glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. That includes us as well as his disciples. See, we ought to think a little more about our future inheritance 
I mean, it's so easy to become bogged down in, in the, the pressures of this world and, and day-to-day financial mess and everything that's going on in our own lives. Sometimes we forget what awaits us in glory. And that's why Paul had to tell the church there at Colossae in, ch- in chapter 3, verse 2, set your minds on what? On things that are above, not on things of the earth. You set your mind on things of the earth, guess what? One day they're going to be gone. They're going to be burnt up. But you set your mind on things that are above. Well, it's going to be an equal inheritance. We're all going to have that. And then it also says it it is endowed. The greatness of our inheritance is beyond human comprehension. I mean, you just read through Revelation chapter 21. I can't even understand half that stuff. I can't even imagine being in the presence of that. Well, how do we receive it? We receive it by grace. Turn over to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Lest you think, oh, well, one day I'm going to get this because I'm good or I'm this or I'm that. No. Titus chapter 3 sets us very straight. Why we receive what we will receive. We receive it by grace, not by good works. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. It says, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become, look at what it says, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We didn't do anything to deserve that. From the very start, We weren't children of God. We were children of the devil. First John tells us that. We had to be adopted to become heirs. And God adopted us by his sovereign will. Verse 7 says that we are justified by his grace and his grace alone. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 says Christ died so that they who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance it's a promise it's as sure as any other promise from God and then thirdly it's eternal turn over to 1st Peter chapter 1 1st Peter chapter 1 look at what verses 4 and 5 says 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 starting verse 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Everything on earth, I don't know if you... Realize this, everything on earth will grow old. Everything on earth becomes defiled. Everything on earth fades away. Second law of thermodynamics. Everything is kind of winding itself down. Just the way it is. You can't buy a brand new car and park it in your garage for 40 years and come back and expect it to be better than it was 40 years ago. Not going to happen. This body is not going to be the same as it was 40 years ago. Not going to happen. 
You can take all the pills. You can go all, do all the workout. You can do whatever you want. It's just not going to happen. You're going to look older. You're going to feel older. You, why? Because your body's breaking down. Now, we don't like to admit that. But you know what? We do all kinds of things to try to maintain our youth. And, and, and you know, basically everything is winding down. Everything is becoming older. We who are saved don't need to work at staying saved. We're kept by God's power. Isn't that a wonderful truth? We'll receive that inheritance that was promised to us even before the world began. And that should cause us true joy. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.